Welcome to the Ladies Who Lead podcast. I'm your host, SK Vaughn. This is a community of women supporting women. Every other Thursday, tune in to hear from ordinary ladies doing extraordinary things. We'll cover topics like diversity and inclusion, gender pay gap, and respect in the workplace. We want to celebrate with you and hear stories of success and hard lessons learned. Whether you're a lady who leads in the boardroom or a lady who leads in your community, this is the place for you. So buckle up, girlfriend. Let's do this. Cammie Ford is the owner and founder of Villager Threads, where she is using embroidery to raise awareness and funds for adoption and foster care. She is an Oklahoma native who is passionate about her faith, her family, and orphan care. Cammie and her husband have a daughter and are in the process of adopting another child. They are hoping to bring home their youngest daughter in the coming months. Villager Threads allows this family to grow their home one stitch at a time. Welcome to the podcast, Cammie. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Well, I love to kick things off with how are you surviving and thriving this week? And while you're thinking through that, I'll kick us off first. And so how am I surviving this week? Man, it's been crazy. Um, The last couple of weeks have just been just busy and I actually broke out in hives and all this kind of stuff. So just trying to get back to normal and not feel um, overwhelmed with with just different things in life that are happening. And so that's how I've been surviving is just trying to get past um, the hive situation. And now I'm actually really excited about how am I thriving this week? We're actually headed to Disney World, so Orlando, Whoa. Florida this weekend. And I'm just very excited about that. The last time I was actually at Disney, believe this or not, I was four years old. So this is like a whole new experience for me. And my in-laws are really big Disney people. They met at the Disney college program. And so this will be a really fun experience because I think everyone at least has been there a few times um, more than me. So I'm just excited and just along for the ride. So that's how I'm surviving and thriving this week. What about you, Cammie? Um, Okay. So surviving, truthfully, the way that I've been surviving is coffee. (laughs) Um, We received some really exciting news this week that has kind of put the rest of our life just um, on pause in a lot of ways. And we've kind of been scrambling to get a few things in order. And I'll share a little bit more about that here in a little while. Um, But yeah, I've just been scrambling around trying to prepare for some exciting things that are coming our way and then how I've been thriving um truthfully by soaking up time with my daughter all the time that I have with her is just such a gift and um each day that I get to spend with her is a grace from the Lord and a way that I feel like I truly thrived this week. This will show you like how low the bar is for me to thrive. <laughs> um, I successfully set up a sensory bin for her for the first time and I felt super accomplished. I made Play-Doh at home And although I am a stay-at-home mom, I am not real good at the stay-at-home mom things. And so I felt super, super accomplished because I made cinnamon-scented Play-Doh. Wow, that's awesome. I would probably, as a kid, I'd probably try to eat that. So that's just, (laughs) I'm definitely (laughs) motivated by food. That sounds really cool. So what is a sensory bin exactly? 
Yeah, it's just like a bin that has a bunch of things that stimulate different senses for your child. My daughter's three. And so I did Play-Doh and oats and I put little pie tins and, and just different things in there for her to fill and like, quote unquote, make her pies, you know. Um, and it's just time for her to play and get to do what she wants and be creative and get a little messy. Um, it's really not that hard to do. And it's not, <laughs> it's probably not as big of an accomplishment as I feel like it was, but <laughs> it definitely felt like a huge accomplishment for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Good for you. And that's really cool that you made like homemade Play-Doh. Thank you. Thank you. I need a little bit of that affirmation. Yeah, no, definitely. So jumping in, so tell us a little bit more about, you know, your background. I grew up in Oklahoma, um, born and raised, and I was raised by my grandmother in a tiny, tiny town. I went to college and then I met and married my husband after college. And then we spent, I spent many years working in graphic design and marketing. And then after we had my daughter, I actually transitioned to working from home, but I was still doing graphic design and marketing. And then this January, I actually resigned and started investing more into our family and, and into Villager Threads. That's awesome. So how did you become involved within orphan care community? And, you know, was it always something that you knew you wanted to be a part of? Yeah. So I think that the desire has been there um, for a very long time. Uh, As I mentioned, I was raised by my grandmother and she was always, always taking care of others in whatever way that she could. She was so good at using whatever the Lord had given her to bless others. Like she just never wasted anything. And, um, as I grew and gave my life to the Lord and began studying the Bible for myself, God just planted that desire in my heart to be like her. Um, but also to specifically be like her for orphans and widows. Um, and then whenever Philip and I, Philip is my husband, whenever we were dating, that was a conversation that we had pretty early. Um, I didn't realize that he was actually talking about foster care. Whenever we would have these orphan care conversations, my heart was more set on adoption and what that could look like. And he was more thinking of foster care and being involved in that. So when we got married and uh, we started praying about growing our family, we just kind of went all in. Honestly, we, We're just like, okay, Lord, however you want to grow our family, we are here for it. And we immediately started the training to become foster parents and just dove headfirst into the orphan care in our community. And now it's just a part of everything that I do. And I'm kind of obsessed. It kind of gets in there and doesn't leave. I don't know that I ever really thought about international adoption, which for those of you who don't know, my husband and I are in the process of adopting um, internationally. And so I'm not really sure that that was ever, maybe it was on my heart in some ways, but after we got involved in foster care, I thought that our family was just going to grow from foster care. I didn't even really consider anything else. And, um, and then this opportunity came up and we were like, okay, we will we will step forward in this and see if it can. And then doors just started flying open. And so now here we are, hopefully bringing our daughter home in the next few months. 
but yeah, it just started by observing my grandmother and just continued to grow and grow and grow. And the Lord just did that through so many different little things in my life. Wow. That's really cool. So where are y'all adopting from? What country can you say? I can say, yes, we're adopting from South Korea. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. We're pretty excited. My grandmother was actually uh, Japanese. And so whenever we started looking at different options, my heart was set on Japan and it was just never an option. So that's why I just thought, well, uh, I guess we won't adopt internationally. And so now we're adopting from South Korea and it's only like a 30 minute ferry ride from Japan. And so I'm really excited about that because, you know, we want to go and visit and it's just right there and the cultures are very similar. I wouldn't say they're the same by any means. There's, there's a lot of differences as well, but I do think that they are, are similar in a lot of ways. And we love, love the Asian cultures. So we're excited about it. Nice. That'll be so sweet and just really amazing when it all comes to fruition. Yeah. For those who may not know, what is Villager Threads and what inspired you to create the shop? Yeah. Villager Threads was born from a desire to raise funds necessary to grow our home through adoption while also providing high quality hand-stitched items for our friends and family. And truthfully, I'm not 100% sure what inspired it. I uh, actually woke up in the middle of the night one evening and I had all of these ideas and just started writing them down in a journal. Yeah. So I just started writing them all down and closed the journal, went back to bed, woke up the next morning and didn't remember anything about it. And we had just had our daughter a few months earlier and we were not even in process yet. So we start looking at, you know, are we going to go back to foster care or are we going to pursue adoption? Are we going to, what are we going to do from here? We started looking at that and this opportunity came up. The doors kept flying open, like I mentioned earlier. And so I pulled out the journal to write down everything that was going on. And I found all this stuff that I had written in the middle of the night and I had dated it in February. It was in in the middle of the night in February and it is now April. And I'm like, okay, what did I, what's all this stuff that I wrote down? So I'm looking through it and it's, fundraising ideas to raise the necessary funds for adoption. And I drew this logo and I wrote out villager hats at the time because I just intended to embroider hats, I guess, whenever I woke up in the middle of the night, that's what I was thinking of. And I had all of these fundraising ideas and I didn't remember any of it until I was looking back through that. So I was just like, okay, I guess I will give this a go. I will try this. And so I went to Hobby Lobby I walked down the embroidery aisle and I left empty handed because that is super intimidating if you have never done anything like that. And then it was a month, it was probably a month of me walking the aisle and leaving empty handed before I finally took a friend of mine and she helped me figure out what, what tools I needed to get started. And uh, even then the first few projects that I did were hard and uh, did not enjoy it. And I was just like, this is a joke. Um, And now, I mean, it's become so much more than I ever, ever imagined. 
So I'm not really sure what inspired it. I just know that I woke up with these ideas in the middle of the night. I truly believe that was a gift from the Lord. And uh, he has used it to raise a good portion of the funds for our adoption. And I am super thankful. Yeah, that's awesome. So when you think about hand stitching, right? And and hand stitching apparel is really kind of what you're doing. Hats and sweaters and different things like that. That's kind of a lost art form. Where did you even learn or pick up your, you know, embroidery or hand stitching? Uh, Truthfully, I had never done it before. Um, I had seen, you know, I'd followed a few pages um, and had seen a lot of embroidery and I loved it. Thought it was beautiful. And my grandmother did embroider and crochet. She was very, very good at pretty much anything she put her hand to, but I never tried it for myself. Whenever I found all of those notes in that journal, I just decided that I was going to try and see what would happen. So I looked at a few different things. Um, I wasn't really, I like hoops, the embroidery hoops. I think that they are beautiful, but I like things that really have a purpose and can be used. And so I just decided to do hats and I didn't even, I wasn't even really a hat person, honestly. So I was just like, okay, I'm just kind of flying blind here. I'm just going to try. And it just took a lot of practice. I wish that I would have started with a hoop and started with maybe a kit by an artist that I respected and and liked their art and kind of let them teach me how to embroider because I feel like I learned the hard way and the long way. (laughs) Um, But I, I just picked what I liked and started doing it and then stuck with it. That's awesome. That's the key right there. Sticking with it. (laughs) Yeah. So what have been some of the biggest challenges in the adoption process? And, you know, what what have you learned from those experiences? Man, so there are so many challenges, the paperwork, of course, the funds. But I think the biggest challenges in our adoption process have been the waiting, which I'm sure any any family that's in process will tell you the same thing because it is almost just agonizing, just waiting and having absolutely no control over what's happening because the amount of control that we have had in this whole process is severely limited. But I have had to learn that there is a purpose in the waiting and, um, you know, just very practically, You have to wait because the right steps have to be taken to help protect children from being trafficked and sold and to do all that is possible to make sure that they are going to a safe home. I know that it's not a perfect system and there are many flaws to how orphan care is handled, but I do believe that the process is in place to protect children and families. Um, And then another thing that I've learned is that the Lord has used the waiting to accomplish something in my heart. During this time, I have grown to trust and depend on him more. And he has really just not wasted a single moment of our waiting. And I have to believe that he's doing the same thing that he's doing in my heart in my family and in our daughter as we wait for her. So I would say that the hardest, the hardest part has definitely been the waiting, but so much good has come in the waiting as well. 
even though we are most definitely ready to have her home. I know that there has been some good coming from it. Yeah. And you mentioned the waiting part part of all of this and each country is different and has different, you know, regulations and stipulations to go along with it. Um, and I know each country takes a little bit longer than another. Um, how long have y'all been waiting? We started our adoption process in April of 2019. Sorry, I had to think back. We started our process in April of 2019 and uh, we were not matched with our daughter until last August of 2020. So we are almost two and a half years. Is that two and a half years in? And looking at almost three years total, probably. Wow. That's a lot of waiting, but that's awesome that that it, you're finally kind of at the last stretch, it feels like in the next few months. And so that's got to be exciting and encouraging. Yes, yes. And that's the news that we received this week, actually, is that our family has been submitted to court, which is a huge, huge step. So that means that we have a judge, we've been assigned a judge, and our very next step will be to receive a court date. So we are really, really excited about the possibility of traveling to Korea um, by the end of this year, hopefully. And we will have to make two separate trips. So we won't get to bring her home after our court date or at our court date, but hopefully we will be bringing her home soon. That's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. We're really excited. It has kind of thrown our life into, you know, a little bit of chaos, not too bad. It's mostly just, okay, we could get the call anytime. So we really can't plan anything for the next few months. So just kind of clearing off our schedules and making sure that we have things in order for us to be gone for, for a time. Nice. So how do you see villager threads growing, you know, beyond this adoption or do you? Yeah, there's a lot of unknown in that area. Um, well, just kind of in our life in general, um, as we look at growing our family and bringing our child home, we have no idea what her needs will be, you know, and what she will require of us and how we will need to best meet those needs. And it may end up being that I have to give up villager threads to completely be home and devoted to helping her grieve the loss of her home and family and culture, because it is a very traumatic event for her. It's such a joyous event for us, but it is traumatic and hard for her and for the family that she is leaving. They've cared for her since she was born. And so we want to do all that we can to help her to heal and to get her the resources that she needs and the services that she may need. And so if that means that we have to lay down villager threads, we will do that. So there is a lot of unknown, but my hope is that maybe after a time of adjusting to the growth of our family, that I will be able to pick it back up and help other families raise funds for their adoptions. I would love to use villager threads to unite families in the future as well. So that is the big hope, but we're kind of holding villager threads with open hands right now. And, and uh, if it needs to be set aside, we will do that. 
That's awesome. You know, you're a mom, a wife and a business owner. How do you juggle it all? Like, how do you find that balance? (laughs) Um, I don't. (laughs) Yeah. I get asked this question a lot and I am just not the best person to ask. I really feel like I'm scrambling most of the time, but I think because I know that I have to hold villager threads with an open hand. That really does help me because of course, being a mom and a wife are priority over being a business owner. And so by having my business, you know, kind of on the side and ready to set aside if I ever need to, I think that helps me to set better boundaries as a mom and wife. So a few practical things, I guess that I do, I don't work while my daughter is awake unless my husband is home. So that's a lot of nap time stitching and, and uh, embroidering into the night hours as she's sleeping and filling and um, mailing out things during nap time and bedtime. It's mostly, that's when I mostly work. And then my husband doesn't have to go into the office on Fridays. And so that's another day that I get to Um, devote to villager threads. You know, my husband is so good to help me in whatever way that he can. So while I'm embroidering at night, I still want to spend time with him. And luckily embroidery is one of those things that I can kind of not really mindlessly do, but I can embroider and have a conversation or what we usually do is my husband will read. We like to read a lot. And so whatever book that we are going through, he will actually read out loud while I am embroidering. And so we get to spend some time together that way. I love that. Yeah. That is really cute. That kind of gives me a little bit of the notebook vibes. (laughs) I'm one of those people. (laughs) Yeah, no, he is, he is truly the heart behind villager threads. I don't know how on earth I could do it without him because he does kind of keep me sane whenever I feel like I'm coming unhinged. And, and he does those little things like he has helped me with my website and he helps me to fulfill orders. And he's the, I've never dropped an order off at the post office. Honestly, he does. Um, and then, yeah, he will read. We, we like to watch TV too. So we'll, we'll watch some shows together while I'm embroidering, but I really like reading together because I feel more connected to him whenever we're reading a book together. And so he's really great to read. Like right now we're going through the Harry Potter series again, and he's reading Harry Potter to me as I embroider. And then, you know, we will also read, we'll do like a fun book and then a more serious book. And we just finished reading the hiding place. And so I'm embroidering, trying to embroider and he's reading the hiding place. If you've never read the hiding place, please read it. It is an incredible book about a woman and her family who hid Jews during World War II. And I literally cried like every single chapter. So I'm trying to embroider as my husband's reading to me and I cannot see through my own tears and I'm having to lay down my projects. And so it's a good time for us to spend time together, but sometimes it makes my work a little bit hard, but those are just a few little things that I do. Um, to try and bring some balance, you know, just don't work while my daughter's awake and be present with her. And then uh, 
be productive even whenever I am embroidering by spending time with my husband in various ways. That's awesome. I think that's a really creative way to spend time together. And, and sometimes I feel like we can get easily consumed with TV and screens. I know I'm really bad about this. So you just definitely gave me an idea of something to think about. I mean, I'm not an embroiderer, so I'll have to think of something else, but I love the idea of, of kind of reading together and and doing something creative that way. So good for y'all. Oh yeah. We love it. And even in the car, I know some people can't read while they're in the car, but my husband usually does all of the driving. And so I will read while he's driving. And so we kind of do it for each other, you know, um, and we take turns. And even if I'm not embroidering, we'll just sit in the living room and read together to kind of cut back on that screen time and, uh, and to have some conversations about whatever it is that we're reading. Yeah, that's awesome. So what advice do you have for other families looking to foster or adopt? Uh, The first thing I would say is to do your research, research the needs of your community and what opportunities already exist to meet them, research agencies and organizations and uh, find out what the best fit for your family will be and then locate an ethical entity that you can partner with. So if the needs in your area are foster parents. I know many, many areas need more foster parents. Do that. Get certified to be a foster parent. But if you're a little hesitant to just dive head first, uh, you can get certified to be a respite home. And I love, love, love respite homes. Whenever we had placements, I truly don't know how I could have survived without our respite care providers because being a foster parent is hard. And sometimes you just need that, that one day, even if it's just a few hours, just to get a break. And so if you're not sure about going all in immediately and getting certified to be a full-time foster parent, look at what it would take to become a respite care provider. And then you can provide respite for foster families who do have children in their home all the time. But anyways, I would say do your research and find out what the needs are in your community and uh, how you can meet those. And then second, I would say do not let finances be the barrier. Whenever I looked at the funds necessary, it seemed impossible. It didn't seem like something we could ever do because I stay at home with our child right now, but children as we grow and my husband's in the ministry. And so whenever you look at the funds, it can seem like this insurmountable amount that is necessary to adopt. But the Lord has shown me that that is just not a barrier. He has provided far beyond what I ever expected and uh, has truly blessed us in doing that. Now, we've done some creative things to raise those funds. And I like to share some of those because I don't think a lot of people think about some of these things. But Like I started cleaning our church. So took up a little side hustle, cleaning our church. And I started villager threads and embroidering hats. So taking up a little side hustle that you can do, you know, in a few hours a week, photography. I also do that on the side, tutoring, driving an Uber. You know, there's so many opportunities to do a little something to get a little extra each week. And that little bit each week really, really adds up. But finances just 
is not a barrier. So don't let it be one in your own adoption journey. That's the second thing I would say. And then the third thing that I would say to a family who is looking into foster care or adoption is to just do something. As I mentioned earlier, you can become a respite care provider. You can take a meal to another foster family. You can offer babysitting. If that is a desire, I would say just get involved in some way. And, uh, and the more you get involved, I feel like the more your heart, like it just, it becomes consuming and, uh, and it doesn't seem so impossible, I guess is what I'm getting at. So I would just say, do something. Don't just let that desire sit there and, you know, simmer out, uh, find ways to be involved. I love that. That's great advice. So now it's time for the leading ladies. We love rapid fire game. Get excited. So basically this is a game where I'll just, um, say a few adjectives and I want you to shout out the first leading lady that comes to mind. This can be a friend, a relative, a colleague, someone that is really inspiring to you. So are you ready to play? Yes, I think so. Let's do it. So the first word is bold. Elizabeth Elliot. Her and her husband were missionaries to South America and the people group that they were actually trying to share the gospel with killed her husband. And then she went and lived with this people group. She, and she had, I know for sure she had at least one baby. She may have had two children. I can't remember how many, but she took herself and her children and went and lived with the people who killed her husband and ended up sharing the gospel with them and they came to know the Lord through her sacrifice. And it blows my mind how bold and how solid her faith was to do something. Because I I look at that and I'm like, oh my goodness, that seems crazy. But her faith was just so bold. Yeah. Wow. Next word is encouraging. My best friend, Devi. Her name is Devi and she is just so, so encouraging to me and all of the crazy things that I and my family have decided to do. She is always right there with us in the trenches, encouraging and supporting and just coming alongside us and helping us to do what the Lord has called us to. Next word is leader. Corey Ten Boom. That's the lady from the book that I referenced earlier. Um, she was the woman whose family was hiding Jews from the Germans, um, during world war two and just all of the things that she did. And she didn't start doing a lot of those things until later in her life. Just amazing. Amazing. The book is called the hiding place by Corey Ten Boom. Uh, truly, truly amazing. Next word is genuine. Kitty. Now, Kitty was my beloved grandmother who raised me, and uh, I just cannot think of a more genuine human being. All right, last word is creative. Katie Martin from Harvest Goods. Uh, She is a fellow embroiderer, and her stuff is so inspiring. Um, She does a lot of botanical and floral embroidery. 
but she does a lot of stuff that's kind of out of the box as well. And she is always pushing and encouraging and inspiring me to be more creative and to try new things through her work. All right. Well, that's the end of the Leading Ladies We Love rapid fire game. You did great. Thanks. (laughs) Please tell our listeners how they can connect with you. What's your shameless plug? Yeah. So the best ways to connect are through my website, villagerthreads.com and through Instagram, which is just the handle is just villagerthreads. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Cami. I truly appreciate you opening up your heart and just the wisdom that you have throughout the adoption process and your amazing shop, Villager Threads. Everyone should go check it out and see it for yourself. She has some beautiful stuff. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me, SK. It was a joy. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ladies Who Lead podcast. Looking for another way to engage with the Ladies Who Lead podcast? Check out our Instagrams and our show notes at the Ladies Who Lead. And don't forget to check out our website, www.theladieswholead.com. Until next time, I'm SK Vaughn.